0: Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another hopefully stimulating discussion today. My name is Kimberly Quinn, and I am uh, pleasured beyond imaginability to have this discussion with you today, and this one is about basically running our own race, not trying to fit square pegs into round holes in the reverse, and uh, my inspiration today is coming from Benjamin Hoff, who wrote The Dow of poo. Yes. As in Winnie the Pooh. And I'll tell you, I have not, um, had the, the, the delight of jumping into this book since college, which was many moons ago to fabulous 57, um, a long time ago. And so our youngest daughter was, um, she loves yard sales and she was bounced around at a yard sale and found it. I, I'd since probably loaned it out decades ago. And so my inspiration is coming from, from Benjamin Hoff today. And, he does this wonderful thing via Winnie the Pooh and Company with explaining to us why. It's basically about social comparison, not comparing ourselves to other people or circumstances, and it's it's done with such levity that I just wanted to share it with you. So it starts off with Ben as the Benjamin as the narrator asking Pooh, Winnie the Pooh, to recite his little poem about Coddleston Pie, which says it all. So it goes like this. Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie. A fly can't bird, but a bird can fly. Ask me a riddle, and I reply, Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie. Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie. A fish can't whistle, and neither can I. Ask me a riddle, and I reply, Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie. Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie. Why does a chicken, I don't know why, ask me a riddle, and I reply, Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie. Now, Winnie the Pooh, we just saw him last week, actually. Maybe that's part of my inspiration, too. Um, Wow, I don't know how they walk around in the heat. I'll tell you that. must be take some some, uh, intestinal fortitude and stamina to handle the heat as Winnie the Pooh um, in Disney World in July. But anyway, so Pooh's telling us. Explain it. Start the first part. A fly can't bird, but a bird can fly. How many times do we look at other people and and, and without really getting all of their circumstances and think to ourselves, judging privately, oh, they have it so easy. Oh, look at her. She's so successful. Oh, look at him. Oh, look at them. They have this. They have that. They have the new car. They have the new house. They have the great job that they love. We don't know anything about what's going on with them. And the other thing is, that's their race to run, not ours. So I love how this is so simply put, a fly can't bird, but a bird can fly. The bird can only fly because they're a bird. They're meant to fly, right? And it sounds so wonderfully simple or simple yet profound, just like a fish is meant to swim. And we've been saying this in various other episodes that we are meant to do Something wonderfully unique and fabulous in this world. The nearly eight billion of us now, each are unique, and it's hard to picture that. Oh, there must be some overlap with, you know, you know, their you know gifts and everything. Overlap, maybe one hundred percent the same, like a clone. No, we are all unique, and we have. And this is the thing too. We talked about this until we get that we, um, where we fit in this wonderful infinite universe of ours we're not going to be able to to align with our personalities with that universal plan if we aren't receptive to hearing what it is. So Benjamin starts by explaining the first part where a fly can't bird, but a bird can fly. And he says it's very simple. And actually, it's obvious. You know, he says, isn't it? And yet, you'd be surprised how many people violate this simple principle Every day of their lives, and 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 try to fit square pegs into round holes, ignoring the clear reality that things are as they are. You know, I know myself in my in my earlier adulthood, and to be truthful, I've always been pretty good at following my heart. Part of that is my wiring, I think, because fast mind clubbers have an interest-based nervous system, so it's tough for us to do anything but follow our passion. That said if we try hard enough we can still we can definitely still do it if we really push 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 with our own strong will and get off track and i can, i have memories of being off track and just spinning my wheels spinning my wheels getting nowhere it's kind of like it's kind of like um you're trying to to run in place on quicksand or something like the more you run the more you struggle the more you sink when it's something that you are clearly It's not meant to, it's clearly not for you. It's not your fit. It's not the color of your parachute. And it takes so much for us to figure this out. Even though once we learn to listen to the whispers, we, we can, you know, we can avoid a a lot of that pain and agony and suffering like, oh, wait a minute, I'm off track. You want me to go this way? Okay. God source, higher power universe. Okay. I get it. But when we're not in receptive mode, we're kind of walking around with a blindfold on metaphorically speaking. We can do a lot of spinning our wheels on quicksand for sure. And then, you know, all this said, it doesn't mean that we don't continually try to make changes in our lives and improve in areas that we need to improve in. We're not saying that. Um, Benjamin just said it just means we need to recognize what's there. He says if you face the fact you have weak muscles, say, then, then you can do the right things and eventually become strong. But if you ignore what's there and try to lift someone's car out of a ditch, what sort of condition will you have, will you be in after a while? And even if you have more muscle than anyone alive, you still can't push over a freight train. And this, I love this line. He says, the wise know their limitations, the foolish do not. How many times have we all learned that, right? We don't want to think that we, have, especially in our middle life, I think in our middle life, a lot of us. You know, especially this time of year in the summer, there's barbecues and there's family reunions and all this stuff going. And I know our family has big, huge wiffle games, wiffle ball games. Sorry, wiffle ball games. And we uh, we do these things, and it's funny because when you get out there, you know, I, I was a shortstop in ba- when I was in, on baseball teams younger, and, and I'm thinking of my brother-in-law and my like my two brothers-in-law and my husband, we're all out there with our you know kids and nieces and nephews. And how easy it is to to forget that you're not, you know, 20 anymore. Not that we're not in good shape for being in our 50s, but how easy it is to be humbled, you know, when one of the younger, when one of our niece, you know, 18 to 20 something nieces and nephews and our kids, you know, smack a ball in our direction. You make a dive for it and then you're quite sore for the next, you know, week or you tweak your back. That's a common one. So, I mean, we are easily humbled when we um, don't acknowledge certain limitations. So then Ben takes us to the second part, and he says, a fish can't whistle, and neither can I. And he says, coming from a wise mind, such a statement would mean, I have certain limitations, and I know what they are. Such a wise mind would act accordingly. There's nothing wrong with not being able to whistle, especially if you're a fish. But there can be lots of things wrong with blindly trying to do what you aren't designed for. That's what I just said. I learned that the hard way in my younger years, just going after whatever, whatever. And it just wasn't, and it wasn't meant, that wasn't my path. You know what I mean? So I learned that, you know, just by going through it, I guess, and not getting getting very far. And then he says, fish don't live in trees and birds don't spend too much time underwater if they can help it. Unfortunately, some people who always seem to think they're smarter than fish and birds, somehow aren't so wise and end up causing big trouble for themselves and others. Of course, there's so that famous Einstein quote, which I'm going to have to paraphrase since I'm not looking at it, but it's it's about um if we, you know, basically similar if we judge a fish by her ability to climb a tree, she's going to, you know, grow up her whole life thinking she's stupid or incapable, or I'm adding this part in her and, um, not athletic or whatever. It, so it's so important to just, um, uh, you know, really be focusing on what our own unique gifts are. And this makes me, this sort of has me thinking of, of Strength Scope, which is a lot of, there are a lot of free strengths assessments out there. Um, strength Scope costs a little bit. It's not super expensive, but you can use the others too, and that would be fine. I like Strength Scope because it's colorful and it's a wheel and it doesn't just say, these are your strengths, and then you suck at all these this stuff. It's not how it works. It's all colorful things, and it just shows in all these pretty, pretty shades of indigo and pink and blue and green and everything, what it is that excites you, what it is that excites you, and then on the other end are the things that drain you. So this is, and then in the middle, there's the middle, like anything, it's a spectrum. So this is what um, I think, you know, Benjamin is saying is the wise know what they're, what they're colorful parts are. And they're also aware of, you know, what excites them and what drains them. And so when we're aware of these things, just like professionally, we're pretty aware of this at Champlain, actually, um, because we the strength scope assessment is also used a lot there. Um, is, is, let's say you're on a team uh, with your colleagues or it can be in school, with you know, college or high school or middle school, or whatever. And let's say you've got five people on the team and a couple of people are big sky people and good with the creativity and the ideas. That would be me. Then you've got some people really good with the researching and, and the, like the structured writing. They're always good to have. And then you've got um, the details. So let's say your project involves some analysis. and You've got to kind of acquire the numbers, run them through a program and then interpret the numbers. So the details thing is, does not excite me. It's draining. Can I do it? Yes. Will it take me 10 times longer than somebody else? Yes. Why? Because I don't have any interest in it whatsoever. I, I like, I'm a big picture person. Do I now, do I care a lot about what the numbers reveal and the graphs, the bar graphs and the, um, histograms and all that, that kind of, you know, show what actually transpired in the research? Yes. I'm all about that. Do I want to do the analysis? Not so much. Again, I can, I can do it. I had to do it, you know, for dissertation, but I'm much more excited to um, about the big ideas part of it, the creativity part. So here's the thing. If you know what your strengths are, let's say the group, then think of the efficiency of that. You got this person locked into the creativity, this person locked into the reading, the reading part, the the supportive stuff, research, right? Then you've got a couple more involved with the actual acquiring the numbers, running the numbers to the... Let's say the SBSS program, which is a good one for research, and then interpreting that analysis and turning it into something. And you need everybody to have it come off well. Um, but this is the thing. It's going to be so much more efficient because each, each of those partners in that are in something that, is, that are doing it, the part of the task that aligns with what their strengths are, what excites them. All right, so just to be super clear, I'm not saying in, in any way to not try new things. Trying new things is exciting. We can also find out strengths from finding new new things. We're trying to what I'm trying to say is not to force something. You know, in your gut, you're, it just isn't for you. And how what we're really talking about here also is to or sort of goes along with that is to know what your signature strengths are. You might know just through life experience, and if you and if you don't or even if you do, it's fun, to, it's fun to validate that by taking one of the strength, strength assess, assessments. The VIA is on the internet, VIA, you can look that up, um, and that's free. But to really know what they are is important. And remember that it's not about strengths and that everything I suck at, it's what excites me. What excites me, gets me excited about life and doing whatever task or um, job career calling you know what excites me in a partner? What excites me in life in general? What makes my heart sing? And then the stuff that that drains you—that it doesn't mean you suck at it. Um, it just takes a lot more time. You're not—you're not as happy doing it, and you steer away from it. Okay, we can't—you know—we can't be excited by everything, right? So when we know what these are, we're open to listening and sort of um, discovering what our signature strengths are. Not only does it make our lives easier but they are far 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 more fulfilling because as Oprah says a lot Wayne Dyer says a lot it's when our personality which includes our signature strengths right is in alignment with what the universe you call that God source higher power what the universe has in store for us when when we're in alignment there is no stopping us and as Wayne Dyer says you know when we're when we're in spirit inspired with our divine connection with god nothing is impossible which means with god or say universe nothing meaning no thing is impossible there we go do your thing this is kimberly quinn signing off from the beautiful northern vermont have a mindful very fulfilling day